Praise the Lord. Father God, we thank you this morning. We praise your holy name. We thank you for the opportunity and the privilege you give us to worship you and to love you. I thank you for that. I thank you for the words that you provide to us each week to speak to our hearts and to give us hope. And I pray this morning, O oh God, as we speak your word, that you would open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to the word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to preach to you this morning on the subject at the crossroad. You've heard that phrase, haven't you? Have you ever stopped to think what it meant? It means to be at the stage of life when you have to make a very important decision. It's a crucial point, especially when a decision must be made. You've heard your pastor say many times through the years, the decision you make today will affect your every tomorrow. So we're at the crossroad. We're at the crossroad in our country. No one knows how it's going to turn out in the next week or so. The landscape of our country could change radically. Or we could have what I call four more years of grace. As I spoke years ago about the window of grace being opened. And the enemy desperately trying to close it for the last four years. But I don't want to preach about politics this morning. I want to preach to you about a man in the Bible that had a serious disease. He had leprosy. In 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse 1, now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. Naaman was a Syrian. He had honors, power, was a mighty man. In terms of position, he was in a great place, but not immune to trouble, as we heard this morning. None of us are, no matter what position we are in life. Naaman was a leper. And the Bible said in the second verse of 2 Kings chapter 5, and the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that's in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. I'm going to stop there for a moment. This little maid has no name. She wasn't given a, a name in the Bible. Other than she was a slave, taken captive by the Syrian army. And she waited on Naaman's wife, a little young maid, 
a slave, a nobody by world standards, despised, base. She waited on Naaman's wife. By birth, she was an Israelite, and she had great faith. She came to Naaman's house by divine providence, spiritual destiny, and not by accident. And those of you who have heard me preach through the years know how I love to talk about divine providence. How I love to talk about spiritual destiny, being in, at the right place at the right time. God always showing up on time. And so I can imagine when this young lady was taken slave from her culture, from her land, probably from her family, she probably wondered, where am I going? And what will end up with my life? Just like so many people today who are wondering, where are we going? And where will we end up in life? She published the name of the prophet of God, Elisha's name, for the glory of God. And you'll see this in a moment. She was proud of her faith. She wasn't ashamed. We, like her, should be a tool in the hand of our God. We are messengers. We are ambassadors with a message, praise God, to a fallen world. Are you open to a message? Are you open to the power of God that has the power to change things that trouble us? Say that again, Pastor. The Lord has power to change things that trouble us. She cared for the health and well-being of Naaman. She could have hated him. She could have despised him. She could have hated being in the house, taking care of his wife. But though captive and a servant by force, she was not ashamed of her faith and her belief in the prophet of God. Why was she a blessing? She testified of God's greatness in the life of Elisha. She promoted the ministry of Elisha to Naaman eventually. She witnessed of what great things God can do. She exalted God. Why was she a blessing to Naaman? She had the message. And we have the message. And the message is a positive message based on the promises of God, praise God, to a fallen and evil world. Hmm. What was her message? The Lord has the power to change things that trouble us. How great was her faith? Her faith that God could cure a Syrian. Come on now. A Syrian, a non-Israelite. You know, sometimes we don't recognize the person in our life who has the message to help us. Sometimes we put up blockades and build walls for someone that's trying to enter our life by divine providence and spiritual destiny. And we go, hey, hey I don't need that right now. But maybe it's the little maid. Maybe it's someone that has no name. Someone that's not famous or rich. Someone that doesn't stand behind a pulpit on a television screen. Perhaps it's someone that 
God allows to walk into your life and say, I have a message for you. Have you ever had that happen? I've had that happen on numerous occasions. Where a person that I didn't even know walked into my life prophetically and spoke to me about my life, about things only they could know. What are you saying, Pastor? I have a question. Why don't we accept help from other people, especially spiritually? We have to examine that question in our hearts. Why don't we accept help? Why are we stubborn? Why are we rebellious? Why do we say, I got this? What do you have? Your best thinking has you where you are right now. And ask yourself this question. Where are you right now by your best thinking? Perhaps we should allow someone to walk into our life and and say, hey, I have a message from God. Hey, I, I have a prayer for you. Hey, I have a word of encouragement. So this young maid started to speak and say, I know where Naaman could be cured. I know a man of God. I know a prophet of God. I know his name is Elisha. And little did she know by divine providence and spiritual destiny, someone was listening to what she was saying. You know, we all want to be heard. Hear me. I said we all want to be heard. And sometimes we don't give each other space to be heard and listened to. So many people like to talk, but so few like to listen. Look what verse 4 says. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel. Wait a minute. How could this be? Is God setting this up? Is is this kind of like a weird scenario? Some people will say, oh, it's coincidence. It's by accident. Oh, no, my friend. This man has leprosy. His ears are falling off. His nose is decaying. His toes are falling off. This man has a serious problem. He's a great man. He's a captain of the Syrian army. He's a powerful man. He's a rich man. But he's going to be a dead man unless he listens to what thus saith the Lord. You know, a lot of people are going to die prematurely because they don't listen to what thus saith the Lord because they know everything. Did you give birth to yourself? Did you create yourself? Did you create your genetic code, your DNA, your chromosomes? No, you didn't. Someone outside of you did that. And that someone is God. And we don't want to recognize that it's God. People say, I don't believe in God. Don't don't believe in God. Don't play Russian roulette. Because there might be a bullet in the barrel. Come on, my friend. The little maid got Naaman's attention by talking up about God. Naaman took notice and did not reject the initial message. Naaman did not call her a fool. I wonder why. Because he's desperate. And when you're desperate, you do desperate things. Sometimes people do desperate things that are not good. But sometimes we need to do desperate things spiritually to seek the face of our God. When a man becomes open to the message that God 
wants to bring. He can begin, God can, to work a miracle in that person's life. But when we're closed and we're tighter than a corn cob, nothing's going to come in. Sometimes trouble has to bring people real low before they call out to our God. Hear what I'm saying here for a moment. The little maid cared. We're missing that in society today. And this one that went in to Naaman, he cared. He took a risk by talking about faith. He took a risk by talking about Elisha. He took a risk talking about an Israelite. Both of them took a risk because they believed that by the power of God, Naaman could be healed. The little maid got Naaman to think about God. Naaman was thinking, could a Jewish prophet heal me of this leprosy that no doctor in this land could touch? Is this possible? The anointing of God, which is the ability of God, is the only source whereby God can invade the spirit of man. Listen, I can try this morning. And I can be highly motivated and inspiring through Christ. But it's only going to be the anointing of God that pierces your spirit. That brings down the guards in your castle that are guarding your mind with spiritual machine guns to not bring in the message of God. Hey, I don't need this. Yes, you do. Because you're here, my friend, by divine providence and spiritual destiny. No one forced you to come here today. No one twisted your arm to come here today. You're here by divine providence, every one of us. And we'll never meet exactly like this again. What's going on here? (laughs) The anointing of God breaks the chains of bondage. It unlocks the prison doors and sets men and women free. I want to stop here for a moment. I want to say this again. There's three things that I mentioned right here. The anointing of God breaks the chains, unlocks the prison doors, and sets men and women free. This is why Jesus came. He came to give us freedom and liberty. He came so that we're not so closed, building walls and fortresses around us, keeping people out. And that's what a lot of people do. Because they're afraid that if you get to know them, you might not like them. Everybody deals with rejection. Everyone deals with that. But there comes a place in life and we're at that place in the history of our country. We're we're at that place where we got to put down all the garbs and say, Lord, come into my heart. Or you say, well, I'm a Christian. I am too. But Moses said, I can't go without your presence, God. And we need that presence of God every day. Not just for a moment. You can't rely on what you prayed five years ago. You can't rely on the four spiritual laws you prayed 20 years ago. This is an up-to-date experience. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And that's daily. That's our food. So what happened? 
Well, Naaman's desperate. And in verse 5, it says, And the king of Syria said, Go, go to, go, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. You, can't, you could not travel in different territories without having a problem unless you had a letter from a king. And he departed, and he, and he took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand pieces of gold, listen to this, ten changes of raiment of clothes, and he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, now when this letter is come unto thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman my servant to thee, that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Are you serious? I, I'm the king of Israel. And this big entourage, listen to what they transported. They transported 10 talents of silver, 6,000 pieces of gold. Pretty heavy stuff. Come on, my friend. And 10 changes of clothes. Who knows what that all meant? And he brings this letter to the king. I got a letter from the king of Syria to you, king, for the king of Israel. <laughs> let's, let's break this down for a moment. Because this is crazy when you think about what God was instituting here. Naaman acted upon the message and he did what he could do. So he got a letter from one king to another to travel and to be received. Okay? He didn't send for the prophet though. He didn't send for the prophet. He got a letter to go to the king because the king is requesting in this letter... That you heal Naaman. Wait a minute. He's a king. He ain't a man of God. He's not a prophet. <laughs> he, he went to the, to the king full of disease. And he was expecting that this king was going to cure an incurable, unclean, sickly, and unfit person for society. Imagine if you were that king. And this big entourage pulls up in front of your castle, your kingdom. And the head captain of your army gets this letter from Naaman saying, give this to your king. And he gives it to the king. He didn't go empty-handed. He figured he'd have to pay for his healing. He figured, I, I have to give something, which was very generous, what he wanted to give. I better go with my hands not empty, but my hands full. He went with the letter. You know what he was? He was a name dropper. Just like a lot of people in society. Do you know who I know? I've heard that all my life. Do you know who I know? Do you know who I am? I heard that working for state government for 20 years. Do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? And do you know who I know? I'm a child of God and I know him who's my father in heaven. That's who I am and that's who I know. Do you know somebody better? Don't go strutting your stuff. Don't go strutting your authority and your position like I'm a little bug in the earth that you can step on like I'm a nobody. I'm a somebody. Oh, I used to be a nobody until God found me and made me a somebody through the blood of Jesus Christ. I used to watch people strut their stuff like they were so important, like they couldn't be replaced. They had a number just like I had. That's right. 
I was 20301. So almost 21 years. And I went out as 20301 as far as the state was concerned. That's right. And everyone that works for the state has a number. Anybody can be replaced, my friend. Yeah. Hear me. What happened? In verse 7, and it came to pass, when the king of Israel had read the letter, this guy goes crazy, that he rent his clothes and said, am I God to kill and to make alive that this man doth sent unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? Wherefore, consider, I pray you, and see how he seeketh a quarrel against me. Now the king has suspicions. Suppositions. He thinks he's being set up for war. He's paranoid. He's paranoid. And he's pulling probably from his past the paranoia, thinking this is a setup. I don't know what's going on here, but something doesn't look right to me. It looks a little bit fishy. Naaman frightened the king of Israel. He had no clue about the prophet, this king. He rent his clothes. He started tearing off his clothes like, like a crazy man, ready for the psychiatric institution. Is this Naaman asking me to do the impossible? And then when I can't fulfill his needs, will he make war against me? Think about the position that this king of Israel is being put in. This is quite a position of being between a, a hard place and a rock. The walls are closing in. And he has no clue what the machination that's coming against him because he's thinking evil. The king had the wrong message. You know what he had? A tactic of the enemy that the enemy uses every day in the lives of people. He had fear and intimidation. That's all he heard. When he read that letter, all he could get was fear and intimidation. You're out to get me. I'm intimidated. What's going to go on here? I know the Syrian army. I know their power. I know their greatness. He misunderstood it. Just like a lot of people today misunderstand the message. He misinterpreted the words of the king of Syria. People don't get facts straight. You know, it's so easy to jump to conclusions. It's so easy to us to come to a conclusion that is not even true or based on fact. But based on emotion and a lot of times based on people's pulling from their own past. Thinking that someone has something against them. Someone's trying to set them up. Paranoia city. The devil rents condominiums, whole cities in people's heads. Every day. Even in the heads of Christians. Rents condominiums. Fear, intimidation. People don't get the facts straight. He jumped to conclusions. And this happens when we're not spiritual. And when we're not spiritual, we become impulsive. We become impulsive in our decision making. And we come, become impulsive concerning the responses that we have concerning other people. He heard what he wanted to hear. Isn't that familiar? Ask yourself a question. Why do people hear what they want to hear? Because they want to believe the lie? Because they don't want the truth? 
Because they don't want to be confronted? Because they don't want to change? You have to ask yourself that question, as I have to ask myself that question. This king did not have a relationship with God or the prophet of God. He didn't recognize or receive God's power. He didn't recognize the authority of God. And he did not recognize the authority of God's servant, the prophet, Elisha. So what happened? It's an interesting story. And it was so when Elisha, the man of God, listen very closely, had heard that the king of Israel rent his clothes, that he sent to the king saying, wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Question, let him come now to me and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Do you know news travels quickly? Gossip travels very quickly. You ever meet somebody in the store and they start the conversation with these words? Did you hear? No? I didn't put the news on today because it's too depressing. So what are you saying to me? What did you hear? Oh, did you hear so-and-so's son? Oh, I know. You're going to tell me about some negative behavior. And that's what we, you think we're going to talk about for the next 20 minutes? My wife sent me shopping, and you see this list? It's pretty long. And I want to make her happy. So I'm going home with the groceries. The best thing we could do, ma'am, or sir, is to pray. Not to judge. Because you know what? We weren't born this big. We came out of our mother's wombs as babies. And we grew up. And guess what? Some of us messed up. Some of us messed up royally. That's why Jesus came. And if we would do more praying on our knees and seeking the face of God for those that are in trouble or going through trial and tribulation or whatever they're experiencing that's negative, we might have a better result for their life. Thank God Jesus found me. I, I, I want just thank God Jesus found me. I, I, I wasn't looking for Jesus, trust me. Thank God he chose me. Thank, thank God he made me a child of the king, that I could sit at the king's table. Thank God. Because my life could have taken a number of different twists that were not good. But God changed that direction, supernaturally. Listen, let, let, me, let me show you what's going on here. Elisha sent to the king. He sent a messenger. He said, king, don't kill yourself. Don't don't tear your clothes off like you're a a maniac. You're the king. You're the leader. And if you lose it, your people are going to lose it. And if you lose it, your army's going to lose it. So pull yourself together. It's not your problem. It's my problem. Send this man to me. He gave the king the message. Send the problem to me. Why? Because it's spiritual. It wasn't a physical problem. It was a spiritual problem. You have to get to the root of the situation for the physical to be healed. Hear what I'm saying? You got to tap into the spiritual kingdom of God and say, God, what is it that you're trying to say? 
Elisha was saying to the king, you are not authority over this. So mind your own business and don't kill yourself. Take care of your business, Elisha was saying, and I'll take care of my business. I'm pretty sure the king was relieved. He had no idea what was going to happen. Because it's still up in the air, like, what's going to happen? This, this guy, he got the letter, man. So let's talk about what happened. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot, and he stood at the door of the house of Elisha. Now, I know that there was no Lexus in those days or Cadillacs. But can you imagine this entourage? This army of soldiers that's accompanying Naaman to the house of the prophet? Gold and silver and clothes and pomp and ceremony. And this shiny Lexus. Come on, work with me. And his shiny chariot. Soldiers dressed up with their medals. And All decked out. <laughs> oh. What did the Bible say? He stood at the door of the house of Elisha. You see, he drove up like you did this morning with his chariot. That's the problem. Some people just drive up. Easy now. Listen to what I'm going to say. Some people just drive up. Thinking they're doing God a big favor by driving up. He came to the man of God. He came to the door of wisdom. He came to the door of knowledge. But he didn't knock and he didn't go in. Sad scenario. People drive up. They come into churches. Hopefully the man of God is a man of wisdom and knowledge preaching the word of God. But they just drive up and come in and sit. You can't give me nothing this morning, preacher, because this is the way I am and I'm not going to change. Because I don't want to change. It's too hard to change. Yes, it is. By yourself, it is. You can't change by yourself. It doesn't last. You need the anointing of God. You need the spirit of God. And when the spirit of God breaks the chains, you will see change. Come on. He, he came to the door. He stood at the door. He went so far, yet so close, yet so far away. Behind that door was healing. Behind that door was a word of knowledge. Behind that door was wisdom on how he could be healed. What was going on here? The messenger, the, the prophet of God, he was in his house. Maybe he was watching the ball game that day. Maybe it was a Saturday afternoon and his, he's got his bag of potato chips and his Pepsi. Come on, stay with me here. I know they didn't have that in those days, but work with me. He already heard from God. He already knew what was going to take place. And here this Lexus is pulling up in front of the house of the prophet. Am I supposed to stop everything for this guy? Am I supposed to just drop my whole entire life for this guy? Hey, I'm in the middle of the ball game. It's the bottom of the ninth inning. The bases are loaded. Come on, man. My team is losing. A grand slam home run wins this game. 
Are you serious? I'm not ready for a commercial. I don't have no pause button. I don't even have a remote. Work with me. Going just so far equals religion. Uh oh. Pastor, that's on tape. I don't care. Going so far equals religion. Stuck in the mud. Traditions. Form in a fashion. But denying the power of God from such turn away. I didn't write that. It's in the book. That's what a lot of people have, a form and a fashion. And thinking they're doing God some big favor. Man, we need change. We need change in the pulpit. We need change in the pews. We need change in our country. We need change, praise God, in the Pentagon. We need change in our city councils. We need change in the Senate. House. We need change. Same old, same old. Same old mold. Same old moss. Decades. Decades. Of how they're going to fix it. Decades. I'm, I, I, I'm going to fix it this time. Man, when? Don't promise me a Christmas present and I'm not going to get it for 10 years. Don't promise a child a lollipop and you never give it to him. Don't promise a child an ice cream cone and you come up short and don't give it to him. Come on, friends. Keep your promises. So here's God's plan. Elisha sent a message to him. He didn't go out. You see, that was pretty rude for a preacher. Oh, really? Listen, when you get the mind of God and you hear the voice of God, you know what you're supposed to do. You're not here to please men. You're here to please God. God was going to teach Naaman a lesson. (laughs) So he sends a messenger and he says to Naaman, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. Now, this is the craziest thing you ever heard. His name and the captain of an army, a great man, an honorable man, a powerful man. And you're telling him to go down to the river and wash and dunk seven times? Have you lost your mind? And you're not even talking to me, Elisha. You're sending me a messenger. You haven't even come outside the door to greet me. Don't you know who I am? I'm an important person. <laughs> and Elisha was saying, I'm watching the ball game, man. Right, I'm not falling apart. Hear me. Listen up. The prophet did not come out. You know why? Because he already heard from God. This is the way it is, Naaman. This is it. Some people don't like the gospel. Some people don't like that kind of preaching. Go wash and thou shalt be clean. What don't you understand about that phrase? Go down to the Jordan River, dunk yourself seven times, and when you come up the seventh time, you'll have skin like the birth of a baby. Do it the way God instructed you, and you'll be blessed. (laughs) The river wasn't the cure. The cure was obedience to the words of the prophet. That was the cure. People don't listen to the man of God anymore. People don't want to hear from the messengers. That's why they killed them in the Old Testament. That's why they took, took them out. 
Take out the messenger and you take out the message. Hear me? Why did Elisha send a messenger to Naaman? He was busy for God. No time for nonsense. He already prayed and sought God on the matter. Some people want, they want you to stand on ceremony for them. For what? I used to do that early in ministry. Took me away from my family, from my kids, from my own recreation, from my own sanity. Blowing people's noses, cutting their toenails, so to speak. Come on, man. Time to grow up. Time to become part of the remnant church. Time to get on your feet spiritually. Instead of having a baby bottle in your mouth sucking on milk, that we should be eating meat, praise God, and potatoes. Something wholesome. The meat of the word. Not the milk of the word. Praise the Lord. He discerned Naaman was a proud man. Oh, he was a proud man. He was going to teach Naaman that before God, we're all equal regardless of our stage in life. There's no big eyes and little use. Come on. When we go to heaven, people think there's going to be a, a special corner for them. Are we serious? At the cross, we're all equal. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all our iniquities. So what happened with Naaman? Not good news. Bible said, but Naaman was wroth. And he went away. He left. Inside that door was wisdom and knowledge to get healed of leprosy. And you're taking the tuck head and the big attitude. I'm out of here. <laughs> well, <clears throat> take your ear that's falling off with you. <laughs> take your toe and your hands and all that. Just go take it with you, son. Don't trust the man of God. Go down the road. But the Bible said he was wroth. What does that mean? He wasn't a happy camper. And went away and said, Behold, I thought, listen to what he said, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over this place and recover the leper. Oh, false expectation. This is the way I want you to do it, God. Who, who are we to tell God how to do anything? Are you serious? Uh, am I serious? Sometimes we pray these prayers and we're directing God like we're driving a car or something, like we're in charge of the wheel. Okay, God, this is what I want you to do now. And I can just see God having a comedy act in heaven, laughing and saying, are they serious? Are they for real? They want to tell me who I woke them up this morning how to do this. Because they're control freaks. Yeah, they're control freaks. Naaman was wroth. What does that mean? He was angry. Some anger is loud. And some anger is quiet. It's still anger. He thought Elisha would come out to him. He thought Elisha should and would stand before him and call upon the name of the Lord. He thought Elisha would lay hands on him where he was sick. Naaman wanted the cure with ceremony. He wanted the cure with ceremony, pomp and ceremony. Don't you know who I am? Take it easy, buddy. You use that line too much. I know who you are. I'm not coming out. You're not going to change my mind. Because God already spoke to me. You want to be healed, sir? Listen to what I'm going to tell you to do. If you don't want to be healed, go home and go die of leprosy. That's your choice. 
he wanted the prophet to entertain him with pomp and parade. Naaman took it hard that Elisha required him to wash in the Jordan River instead of the rivers of his rivers. What are you saying? This is what Naaman was saying. He was saying, on my terms, I'm in control. Naaman continues to rant in verse 12. He says, are not Abana and Farpar, Farpar, rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. Now he's going down the road in his Lexus, and and, and George's driver, come on, work with me. He's ranting at his driver. Can you believe that guy? Can you believe that prophet? Who does he think he is? Doesn't he know who I am? And George listening to the rant. And this guy is really, really angry and really, wow, come on, people. Can I go wash in my own rivers? No, those rivers, you know, those are the rivers that the, the false gods, you know, were... Uh, people used to go in those rivers because they believed in some false god. No, no, no. The, the man of God said the Jordan River. There, there was a meaning there. And he's arguing. He's going down the road. He's dying of leprosy. And he's arguing. This is like people. Want to just argue. Fight. Divide. He wants Elisha to cure him. But he wants to tell Elisha how to do it. Why don't we have some power and control issues? Mm-hmm. Uh, don't say amen, say ouch. May I not wash in these other rivers and be healed? Come on. Can I do it my way? Do I have to follow the word of God that closely? Mm. He was angry, left in a rage. The rivers of Israel belong to God. The rivers of Damascus belong to a false God that people worshipped. The Jordan River had a history. It yielded passage to Israel and to Elijah and to Elisha. The Jordan was a crossover. A crossover. Naaman, I'm trying to get you to cross over. It was a crossover. And to cross over, you have to go down under and be baptized and get rid of your pride and your proud. And your control. I know you're a military guy. I know you're in the army. I know you got that flashy uniform going on for you. But guess what? Elijah was saying, I'm in the army of God. And I'm under authority. From my God. And I'm telling you how to do this, Naaman. You have to go down and get rid of your conceit. So he's going down the road. Just like we do sometimes. And someone's trying to talk to you. Trying to give you some good orderly direction and saying, will you at least listen to what I'm saying? I don't want to hear it. Maybe you had one of those before you came to church today. You know, that, that happens a lot. I said, that happens a lot. You're on your way to church and Attitude City begins to arise. And your wife is trying to, hey, I, I've been studying Abigail in the Bible. Just a beautiful story. Of how she kept David from killing her husband, who was a a bad man, an abusive husband, an abusive man. And Abigail heard about the situation that David was requiring some food from her husband. And David and his army and his men were protecting his fields. He's a rich guy. 
And David said, hey, can you give us something to eat? We're protecting your flocks. And he wouldn't do it. And Abigail heard about it. It's kind of like, you know, coming to church in the car. And you're fussing with your wife. And she's kind of like Abigail. And she says, will you at least listen? Knucklehead. Maybe she didn't call you a knucklehead, but she said it in here. She, she, you're a knucklehead. What should I listen to you? Well, first of all, I'm trying to calm you down so you don't have a stroke. So you don't have a meltdown. And because I'm your wife. And because I love you. Now, we can pull into the parking lot and be miserable. Or we can fix this before we pull into the parking lot and come into the house of God and have a good time. Abigail's spirit. I love it. So what happened? His servants came near. Now they're taking a risk. Stop the Lexus. Stop the chariot. The Bible says that the servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, wouldest thou not have done it? How much rather than when he saith to thee, wash and be clean? You know, I'm going to talk man talk here for a minute. I'll keep it right. If I was in that chariot, and he stopped the chariot, and I took a risk, I would say to Naaman, Hey, have you noticed that you have a very beautiful wife? Agree or disagree? Agree. Agree or disagree? Are your earlobes falling off and your nose disintegrating and your toes falling off? Agree or disagree? Agree. Now, you're in the brink of death and she's a beautiful woman. Do you not think a hundred men are going to line up at her door to make a play? Don't look at me like I come from out of space. That's what I would have told them. Are you willing to have another man take your place in your bed in your castle? Come on, dude. Think about it. You're dying. You're full of pride. You're proud. You're conceited. You're a name dropper. You think who you are. Ooh, I'm a soldier in his army. This guy can kill me in a minute. But I'm taking a risk. Sometimes it takes a group of people to help someone become responsible and accountable. They told him his faults. I don't want to hear it. I'm sure he said that. I'm sure he didn't want to be confronted. They made him aware of his poor judgment. They counseled him even at great risk to their own life. Why? Because they cared. And we preach at risk because we care. Good place to say amen. The prophets preached at risk because they cared and some died. And there'll be preachers in this day who will preach at risk and some will die at the hands of fools and men of pride. He got them to think. 
And in verse 14, then he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. What happened? A divine intervention, a divine moment. Stop this chariot and listen to some common horse sense. What do you have to lose? Tell me, what do you have to lose by taking a risk and going into the Jordan River and dipping seven times? If the prophet's lying, you're going to die of leprosy. However, if the prophet is telling the truth, you're going to go home to your wife and she's going to love you like you've never been loved before. So what's your choice? He changed his mind. He listened to the counsel of his servants. Do you know why people don't want counseling? Spiritual counseling, biblical counseling. You know why? Because they don't want to hear truth. They'd rather live the lie and fool themselves. And you watch them go on that path and you know that it's a path of destruction. You just know it. Because like I've told you so many times, I, I, I've been preaching for what, 47 years. I have met thousands and thousands of people preaching. I've seen you somewhere else, just in a different body. I've watched the behavior of people. I watch people resist. I've watched people fight. I've watched people walk out the church. I don't want to hear that. I can't help it. Like I always say, it's on videotape, it's on audio, it's on hard copy that I send my email. Check it out. Check out the scriptures. I'm not teaching you a false doctrine or heresy. I'm trying to teach people practical Christian living on how to get by every day through Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. He yielded to the will of God, and that's the battle, my friend. Yielding to the will of God, that's where the war is. Yielding and becoming obedient to the will of God. Some people think they're, they're obedient and, and walking in the will of God. They're so far away. Because they're miserable. They're miserable. There's no peace. Restless. Restless. You see that spirit. The question is, will we yield or not? Yielding through obedience brings healing like it did to Naaman. Let me close. A phenomenon took place. This guy started out really in a bad spot. But God, using the prophet of God, the man of God, told him how to get cured. Listen to the profound effect that the word of God, the prophet of God, had upon Naaman. Look at verses 15 through 19. That's where I'll close. And he returned to the man of God. Boy, he humbled himself. You know, he ate crow. I said he ate crow. He was talking about the man of God, ragging on the man of God. Who does he think he is? He didn't come out to greet me. Can't imagine what he was saying in that chariot about the man of God. <laughs> he returned to the man of God. Not only him, but he and all his company. 
and came and stood before him and said, Behold, now I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. Now, therefore, I pray thee, take a blessing of thy servant. No, no. Elisha said, I, I don't need nothing. I have everything I need here. As a matter of fact, it looks like my team is going to win this game. That's right. Just pull it off. <laughs> I got everything I need today, sir. What happened? But he said, as the Lord liveth, before whom I stand, I will receive none. That's what the prophet said. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. And Naaman said, shall there not then, I pray thee, be given to thy servant two mules burden of earth? For thy servant will henceforth offer neither burnt offering nor sacrifice unto other gods, but unto the Lord. What's he asking? Can you give me some dirt? You want what? Can you send me home? Name it. Send me home with some dirt. The dirt from Israel. Because I want to go home. And I want to build an altar. And I want to use this dirt. To sacrifice unto your God. You've had such a profound effect on me. I'm a believer. You helped me become a believer. Just give me some dirt, sir. But it went further. In this thing, the Lord pardoned. Listen to what he says now. He said, and Naaman said, Shall there not then, I pray thee, be given to thy servant two mules burden of earth? For thy servant will henceforth offer neither burnt offering nor sacrifices unto other gods, but unto the Lord. And this thing the Lord pardon thy servant, that when thy master goeth into the house of Rimon to worship there, and he leaneth on my hand, and I bow myself in the house of Rimon, when I bow down myself in the house of Ramon, the Lord pardon thy servant in this thing. And he said unto him, go in peace. So he departed from him a little way. What was happening here? Here's what Naaman was saying to the prophet. He said, listen, you know I'm a man of military. And he says, I'm under authority. And he says, my boss, he's going to go into this bad place where they worship these false god. And I have to accompany him. Can you forgive me that when he leans on me and says, take me to... Will you forgive me? Will God forgive me? Because I'm just doing it out of duty. I'm not doing it out of belief. Is this the same Naaman? Is this the same man that we started talking about earlier in the preaching? What a change. What a change. And what a change that God can make in your life and in my life Amen. if we'll dare yield to the spirit of the living God yeah. and not build this monumental argument against why we can't change. Yeah. Think about it. Think about what happened to this man. He's angry, hateful, conceited, wanted in his way. But in the moment of a twinkling of an eye, by divine providence and spiritual destiny, a little maid, a soldier, some servants, and a prophet of God 
brought him full circle that he can go home to his wife and to his family and proclaim that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Israel, is the true God and not the gods that we have been serving. Let us pray. Father, I thank you. A powerful word for this day. We are at the crossroad, Lord God, in life. The path that we take, O oh God, you desire to direct. You said to Joshua, choose life or death. Choose blessing or cursing. And I pray, God, that as we live each day, that we will choose life. That we would choose blessing. As Joshua said, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And Lord, no matter what happens, no matter what happens in life or in our country, no matter what happens historically, Lord, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Give us, oh God, your strength, your courage, and your boldness in this last day that we're living in. Direct our affairs and direct our paths. The steps of a righteous man or woman are ordered by the Lord. And let us delight in those steps, O oh God, as we obey your voice and do your will and bring this message of salvation and this message of healing to others. In the mighty and holy name of Jesus. And in that name we pray. Amen. God bless you and thank you for listening.